This is Framework Leadership. I'm Kent Ingle, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. Well, today I have the privilege to sit down with Horst Schulze. Horst is known as the man who defined the luxury hotel experience through his long tenure as president of the Ritz-Carlton Hotels, also as founding president and COO. Horst revolutionized the hotel industry, you know, creating one of the most recognizable international brands and forever altering the very nature of customer service. Currently serves as chairman emeritus of Capella Hotel Group. He just released his latest book, Excellence Wins, a no-nonsense guide to becoming the best in a world of compromise. It's my great pleasure to welcome Horst Schulze to the Framework Leadership Podcast. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. Uh, before we uh, talk about how you built the brand of Ritz-Carlton, let's uh, talk a little bit about your background. I'm always fascinated uh, at the the journey that people go on mm-hmm. as they as they move into leadership and have great success. What was what was it like growing up, and and uh, how did that shape you to prepare you for your career? Well, it certainly did shape me. Well, I grew up in a small village in Germany after the war, and that was difficult times. It was. Uh, a village, and uh, for some reason, when I was 11 years old, I went to my parents and said, I want to work in the hotel business. And they said, okay, obviously, I mean, they didn't take it serious, but I stuck to it. I kept on asking for it, begging for it, which was very unusual because there was no, I've never been in a hotel, I'd never been in a restaurant. So I must have read something, whatever. And uh, it was it was nearly embarrassing to my parents because at that time in Germany, a technical job was it. Even even become a roofer, become a carpenter, something like that, and it's honorable. But hotel business, but I kept on begging. My parents, eventually we found a job to start as a busboy, which meant cleaning dishes and so on in a first-class hotel. Unfortunately, it was the best, it was the best in the region. Unfortunately, it was 100 kilometers away from home, which was very far at the time. My parents warned me before I went there. I mean, typical European middle class, a little bit. Uh, we could never go to a hotel like that. Now, that's only for very important people. Hmm. Now, behave yourself accordingly. When I got there, the channel manager told me the same thing. We are servants. And the guests here are very important people. Don't be envious and so on. And I, what became, became a real builder for my life was starting the first day, the maitre d' of the hotel was an exceptional human being. And he sat with us. There were three other kids that started at the same time and said, never come to work. Come here to create excellence. Wow. That's what you do in life. You don't, go, you don't sentence yourself to work. You create, you come to, well, that went over my head at the time, with, with, with 14, it went over my head, but slowly it started making sense, particularly seeing him who was a person of total excellence. And I finally, finally in fact, wrote a, an essay about him, and I named it, We Are Ladies and Gentlemen Serving Ladies and Gentlemen. That meaning, if we are excellent at what we do, no matter what, we're defining ourselves right. as ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And since I got an A and on, on the SA I wrote, I remembered it and it was kind of with me in my life. And when I started Ritz Carlton, I made it the motto of Ritz Carlton. We are ladies and gentlemen, servant ladies and gentlemen. 
So when you uh, when you talk about uh, leading Ritz Carl, I mean how how uh, how did you how did you get into that position to actually begin leading the Ritz Carlton? Well, uh, after I worked in the, truly the greatest hotels, and not just saying it in Europe, uh, in France, in, in England, Holland, America Line, Switzerland, Germany. I was offered a job in the U.S., came to the U.S., started working for Hilton, worked for Hyatt, started, I became, first a waiter, became eventually food and beverage director, became a rooms director, became general manager, regional vice president, corporate vice president with Hyatt, uh, with um, charge of food and beverage operations for the United States with Hyatt. When somebody called me and said, we are starting a new brand in Atlanta, we have two hotels in construction, we're developing, we're financing, we're constructing, but we need an operator for that new company. So I had no interest because I had my golden handcuff and everything. It's just a great company hired, wonderful people. But I, I kept on thinking, what would I do with a new company? And suddenly and developed slowly a vision, a dream. And when they called again, I accepted a job and moved to, moved to Atlanta. A little bit over a year later, we opened our first hotel, which became Ritz-Carlton. Yeah, and and under your leadership, I mean, Ritz-Carlton grew from four to to over 40 U.S. locations. Um, and you talked about vision and creating vision. How did you lay that vision out, and how did you keep that vision fresh? Yeah, let, let's understand that uh, Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company had no hotel. There were four hotels that carried the name, but they were all dilapidated hotels who closed ah. because they were losers. And we we purchased one of them and closed the hotel, but we took over the name in Boston. But the first hotel that we opened, number one, was in, in Buckhead, Atlanta, the first Ritz-Carlton Hotel. I opened it. So what we did is very simply that we, we went in there with a vision that never went away. The vision was very simply... We will be the leader in the hotel business worldwide, in the service business worldwide, and we will create the greatest brand in the world. That was the vision. And of, of course, in the beginning, when I hired people and said, here, join me for that vision, and they said, well, we don't even have a hotel. I said, doesn't matter. <laughs> the reason we come to work from now on is a purpose. Yeah. And the purpose is to become the absolute leader in the hotel. And the motive for that purpose is so that we can grow so that we can op have opportunity, so we have honor, so we have respect, so we have more income, etc. A motive which is good for all concerned. We, we, we really agonize, I want to really emphasize that. Is that vision good for all concerned? Hmm. For the investor, for the guest, for the employee and for society? And when the answer was a very clear, distinct yes, I personally had no more rights to compromise it. I had to go for it. Now, you're, you're known for instituting a, a company-wide concentration on both uh, the personal and the data-driven sides of, of yeah. service. Yeah. Talk about what you did to combine yeah. data and, and, and personal service and, and how revolutionary this was. Well, it's all personal service. It's all caring. The, the guest and, and has three expectations, really. No, no, and, and if you buy anything, you have three expectations. Number one, you want the, the product to be defect-free. Mm. Number two, you want timeliness. And number three, you want the people who deal with you to be nice to you. So there is a very personal thing, being nice, and there are very technical things. But I should create processes 
data-driven process and knowledge behind each of the three. So what are my processes that I institute, measure, and continuously improve for the product, for the timeliness, and for the caring? Mm. And that's where, where businesses break down. They think the caring just somehow happens. Well, it doesn't. There has to be process-driven and measured just like everything else. Now, you you coined the term, and you just mentioned it uh, a few minutes ago. We are ladies and gentlemen serving Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. where how did how did you uh, decide on that phrase? And, well, and it was in that that very early time when I was asked to write an essay in, in school when I was sixteen or nearly sixteen at the time uh, about what I now think about the industry and viewing the, that major deed at the time. How when he went to a table that the guests were proud that he came there. Wait a minute, there's a reversal here. Yeah. We are supposed to be the servants, and I realized. He's defining himself by his excellence. Mm. And it and it was became clear like a light went on. I can define myself. Remember, I was laughed at that I went to the hotel business. Mm. So it hit me, wait a minute, I can define myself as somebody excellent if I do excellence in, in my work, even if I wash dishes. Wow. That's good. Now how how is the um how has the branding changed since you took over Ritz Carlton and and what what challenges do brands face today that was different, you know, back in 1983? Well, what is the same is a brand is perceived by too many people and too many companies that actually want to create a brand as a name. And a brand is a promise. Mm. And brand says, here's who we are, what we do, and, and that's a commitment. And if that commitment is various, from one outlet to the next, in my case, from one hotel to the next, it's not a brand anymore. It's a name. So that hasn't changed. The expectations of the customers have changed. Mm. They have changed dramatically in the last 30 years. They, they keep on changing. And the importance for an organization is to keep track to the changes and go with the market. It has to be market-driven. I'm no use that I do something that I like, if the market doesn't like it. I have to understand constantly where is my market going, what they're doing, and then be with that market. In my opinion, I don't believe in, in my business, I, I shouldn't be on the edge of it. Mm. I've learned that and met some and went ahead of it, and I did something which, which shocked the customer, and three years later, they demanded it. Wow. So, so a brand really understands ongoing, and a brand has to be sure that the Promise is delivered everywhere they do business. Yeah. Your your new book, Excellence Wins, talks about the world of compromise. Isn't, it, well, you know, isn't compromise, I mean, how important is compromise in leadership? And what does that mean for today's entrepreneurs and, and business leaders as they venture out in, in leading? Well, that, that non-compromise has to be driven by the vision of the organization. I mean, I, I established that's what we want to be. And I touched on that earlier. In that moment, once I truly establish that I, if I go for that vision or that purpose of the organization, that I'm truly serving the all concerned, in that moment, I cannot compromise the vision. I, I'm, I'm the standard setter in that moment. In that moment, I can't do it for anybody. That doesn't mean I'm ruthless. Of course not. Sure, right. That means I give chances that I cannot compromise on product, on service, on attention. I cannot compromise on everything anymore. 
anything anymore that the market wants. And as soon as they start com- compromising, I'm, I'm becoming second class. Mm. And the, the compromising is very simple and very easy today. Companies are driven to it because the measurement of a leader is how much, how much profit they make. Yeah. And that can be, I can be in a hotel a thousand miles away from my headquarters and in the headquarters they analyze my, my cost management and I'm just not painting anymore. I take the flowers away and the corporate office, the analyst sends me an applause that I ha- I'm such a good cost manager. Mm. In reality, I compromised the objective of the organization, which was good for all concerned. Yeah. Uh, that's good. In your book, um, and I like this, you 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 write the title of CEO or senior manager doesn't mean a thing. It's your character. It's your attitude. It's your mindset that will make or break uh, your your business. How how has character shaped your role uh, day in and day out? Well, very clearly, you have to. Uh, and if you if you set up to be in, in, in that market for sure, in in a, in a very high. High standing in your particular market, you you cannot go. You cannot accomplish that by being by by lying about, if you will, who you are and what you want to do. It has to be very clear and very honest and very 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 lucid. People have to understand, have to see it, and and you can you cannot fool all the people all the time. That is that all has to do with character, and and of course. Uh, you, 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 the leader, and it has been overused. That's why I even hesitate to use. Has to be the example. It has been overused. But I, I always think back of this matter. D, when I looked at him, how he approached the table, mm. how he dealt with people, he was such an example. He would have never, never entered the room unless he looked perfect. He constantly seeked excellence of what he was doing. He constantly, constantly established himself as a, as a human being of excellence. And and he, he gained it. He was respected as such. Yeah. Here here at Southeastern University, we have the privilege to serve uh, and and come alongside a generation of uh, new leaders that are going to go out and and entrepreneurs. What's the as you reflect back on your life and leadership? What's the one piece of advice that you would give a young person that that's just starting to venture out? Yeah. Basically, two things. First of all, make make a decision. Make a decision. Sit down with yourself and make a conscious, strong, deep decision. And then measure your own decision. Make the decision for excellence in your life. And, and think about it. And, and think about it. And particularly when you come to my stage of, of, of life, there comes a time, if you like it or not, there comes a time when you look back. What do you want to see Whatever you want to see when you're AD, you have to accomplish today. Oh, and you have to understand and you have to think about it and be deep about it. Yeah, that's great wisdom. Well, we want to close our conversation out with a quick uh, three-question fire round here. First question is this. You have a day when your calendar is cleared and you've been mandated by the company to have a perfect day off. What does that look I, like for you? I, I go home, hug my wife, go and kiss her, and then I say, excuse me, honey, I go fishing for a little while. And when I come back, I hug her again and kiss her again. We sit down together. That's a great day. What historical leader, living or dead, would you like to sit down and have a cup of coffee with? Oh, well, actually, please accept that I'm saying, I'm looking at that historical. I would, I would, I would like to be with, with, with Paul, mm. the apostle. 
I would like to be with Martin Luther. Yes. And the reason with Martin Luther, how was it possible that you were thinking totally different than society was thinking? I don't understand how people, that's why I admire, I admire other Wilder, Wilderforce, and so thinking totally different than society is thinking. Uh, I would like to talk to them. Well, I'll tell you, the last question is this, what's your next big dream you want to accomplish? Well, <laughs> yes, I'm, uh, forgive me, I'm being very personal in this, this moment, but uh, my, my, ne my next big dream is to overcome an operation I'm going to have tomorrow. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. <laughs> and, and then live with my, my, my wonderful wife, with my, with my family, and, uh, and have a great ongoing relationship. And, and I'm, I'm doing consulting and so on. I work with several companies. I like to see them becoming the leader in the industry. And they're totally different companies. And they're, they're instituting the same thing I'm preaching in the book. And I want to see them. I want to see that. I want to be part of that. It has nothing to do with me. It's not my company. But I want to see them to make it exceptional. Yeah. Well, Horst, it's been my pleasure to talk with you today. And you, I mean, you're a powerful leader. But what I, what I love, just even in our conversation right now, you are uh, uh, very humble. And you have a heart and passion to serve. And uh, that's, that's pretty important. Uh, yeah, and that's why I believe you've definitely been... Sure. Successful. Well, for more on Horst Schultze, check out his new book, Excellent Wins, a no-nonsense guide to becoming the best in a world of compromise. Thanks for joining us on Framework Leadership. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at Kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.